Good morning, Westgate. How's everybody doing? Well, let's stand and worship together. This song we did a couple weeks ago for Baptism Sunday. It's a repeat after me and a clapper, okay? That sound good? Yeah? Come on. Those hands move. And repeat after me. Let everything. That has breath. That has breath. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything. That has breath. Praise the Lord. Hey. I'll praise in the valley. I'll praise on the mountain. I'll praise when I'm sure. I'll praise when I'm doubting. I'll praise when I number, I'll praise when surrounded. Cause praise is the water, all my enemies drowning. As long as I'm breathing, I've got a reason to praise the Lord, oh my soul.
Lord, come on. Let everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, let everything that has breath. Praise the Lord.
good morning. It is good to be here worshiping together. God is good, amen? amen? God is good. Hey, it is great to be here worshiping with you all this morning. Uh, we have got such a great service planned, but before we dive into that, I especially want to welcome you today if you are a guest here. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name is Rob Zimmerman. I'm the lead pastor here at Westgate, and I'm delighted you've chosen to worship with us today. Uh, as I said, we've got a lot of great things that are going on, and uh, one of the things I would actually love for you to do if you are a guest uh, is take a moment to fill out the connection card that you'll see in the pew in front of you, uh, or if you're at home worshiping online, you can do that uh, through our app. You can also do that online. You can fill that out below the live stream, but that connection card is a great first way to get connected here at Westgate, and uh, what we'd love you to do is take a moment, fill it out, and at the close of our service today, you can take it out the back doors to our guest center, and if you turn it in there, they have a small bag of goodies to give you some uh, gifts to say thank you for being here, but also information about how to get connected at Westgate, and uh, the people there would love to answer any questions that you might have about our church. So please be sure to stop by at the close of our service today. We are just thankful that you have chosen to worship with us today. Uh, now, we have got a very unique and special service that is planned for this morning. I find it uh, ironic that every year our Thanksgiving service falls right after the Michigan-Ohio State game, but it is, it is a really good... I know there's some bitterness in the room. I feel it. I, it's, the tension in this room is thick right now. You cut it with a knife. But can I just say, no matter what side you land on, on any given year, it is a good reminder that we should always give thanks no matter what the circumstances. So get our hearts focused on the Lord together this morning. Amen? Hey, as we worship today, our service is going to be a little different. We have today what is called a Together Sunday, uh, where we have closed down our kids' ministry. We've invited our kids and families to join us in the service today. We love the opportunity for our young people to be able to worship with us and experience uh, worship together as a whole family. And so we hope that you will engage uh, with us this morning. But as well as we go through the service, we're going to go through some different movements of thankfulness, three short teachings and some opportunity to interact and engage. And so I want to encourage you as we go through today to really allow today to be a unique time for you where the pastor won't do 50-minute sermon or three 50-minute sermons, we should say, but short ones that really are meant to move your heart closer to the Lord and to give thanks to him and to worship him today. But before we dive into all that, I would love for you to take a moment to stand up and to turn, find somebody that you have not met or said hello to yet this morning and welcome them to our service. All right. 
love it. Love the opportunity for us to connect, to, uh, to truly be a family together. You know, as we move into this time of worship, one of the things that I recognize is that often when we come to church, we walk in on a Sunday morning, and often thankfulness may not be the first thing that is on our minds or our hearts. Maybe things didn't look so great at home this morning as people were getting ready, or maybe on the car ride over, there were some words exchanged that that may have... uh, not put us in the spirit to worship. Maybe you've been going through a hard week. Maybe there's a lot of things that are going on this afternoon and things that are on your mind that are distracting you. But as we go through today, which is gonna be a morning of thanksgiving, of reflecting on what God has done for us, to be honest, what I would love for us to do is to take a moment and to just acknowledge that there are distractions in our hearts. And I want us to take a moment to turn and to offer them to the Lord together. Would you stand with me? As we stand together, I wanna to invite you just to take your hands and to open them up and to, and to stretch them out to the Lord with me. As a symbol of saying and acknowledging God, as I come to worship you, there are things distracting me. There are events that are taking place. There are relationships that are struggling. There may be a trial that you're going through Whatever it might be, there is something that wants to keep you from worshiping the Lord this morning. And as you put your hands out like this, it's an act of just simply saying, God, I release it to you. I give it to you. Remind me this morning of how great you are and remove the burdens that I've carried into this service so that I can pour out my heart to you. God, I pray that as we outstretch our hands to you, that it is a symbol, God, that we are actively choosing right now to take those things and to give them to you. And I pray that in your grace, Lord, that you would take them, that you would carry them, and that you would free our hearts to engage with you, to worship you, and to give thanks for all that you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus, you brought heaven down. 
34 verses 1 through 2, David says these words. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Now, when you listen to David in these words, it apparently seems that there's been something great that has happened that has caused him to burst into this moment of worship and praise of God. You know, as I was thinking back to this last year for me, there was a situation that I had gone through that was uh, a little bit difficult and, and found myself towards the end of it with a similar feeling in my heart. Back in March, I had gotten uh, some pretty severe pain that was in my neck, and it wasn't like the kind of thing where you wake up in the morning and you uh, feel a crick in your neck, but it was different. I could move my head to side to side. People couldn't tell the pain I was in, but I had this nerve pain that was shooting down through my shoulder all the way down into my hand, and numbness that started taking place. And like a, a good pastor does, he decides not to go to the doctor. I don't know if that's true, but why go to the doctor, tough it out, it'll go away eventually, and uh, month over month over month, uh, the pain wouldn't go away, it just simply began to intensify to the point that there were only some nights where I was sleeping maybe two or three hours because of the pain from the nerve pain that was shooting down in my arm. I can remember uh, talking to my neighbor and he's like, why are you not going to the doctor and getting this thing checked out? And I told him, I was like, I, I felt like I was almost at an emotional breaking point from the lack of sleep and the constant pain. So I finally gave in. I went to, long story short, went to the doctor, did physical therapy, got like a steroid burst to try to calm it down. Uh, eventually, we ended up doing an MRI. They found that I've got two uh, herniated discs in my neck, which wasn't fun to find out. And then the conversation begins to be, hey, the only solution is we can give you some shots in your neck that will alleviate the pain, or you can have surgery. And I'm like, I'm way too young for that action. So, uh, you know, as a good pastor does, he waits way too long to go to his friends and say, I need help. Can you pray for me? And I began to ask people for prayer, and I began to share. And can I tell you that literally from the time that I went to the Lord and asked people to go to the Lord on my behalf and begin praying, it was right after we had gotten that MRI. Literally two weeks later, I woke up one morning and realized I slept through the night, and I feel nothing. After six months of this intense pain, I just woke up one morning, and it has been gone ever since. And my response was, thank you, Lord. <laughs> I began praising. I was so excited, like my heart was full. When I read David's words here, I will bless the Lord at all times, I get it. Like something has happened in his life that has brought incredible joy that he is giving praise to God. Well, as we read this psalm, what we begin to understand is that's true. David was praising God for delivering him from a life-threatening experience. It's believed that David wrote 
wrote this psalm of praise following his escape from Abimelech. In other words, David had been brought before the king of Gath. He was fearful of what he might do. And so David pretends to be a madman, to be crazy, like in the way that he was acting, acting like a fool. When you read the passage in 1 Samuel, it says that he was like having saliva running down his face and down his beard. And so the king looks at him and is like, why are you guys bringing me this crazy guy? And decides to just let him go. And so David escapes. And as David writes this psalm of praise, what he does is turn not to acknowledge his own wisdom or brag about his fine acting skills, but honestly, he turns to glorify the Lord. And he says these words in verse 3. He says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Have you ever thought about what it means to magnify the Lord, to, to magnify him? You know, there are two different ways that we can magnify, thing, magnify things. One of those is to take something that is small and to put it under a magnifying glass so that it looks bigger than it really is. Any, any kids here in the room ever take a magnifying glass and, and look at bugs or, or any kind of little insects through the magnifying glass? Or you want to look at it and you want to make it seem really big so that you can see it better than your normal eyes can? Well, that's one way that we can magnify things. As a kid, I loved looking at ladybugs through magnifying glasses or butterflies and just trying to get a closer look at these small things to see the intricacy and the detail of how God created them. It was really cool to take something small and make it big. But that's one way that we magnify things. The other way that we magnify things is taking something that is big and making it appear as big as it really is. In other words, I remember as a kid, one of my favorite things to do was to go camping with my dad. And in my church, we had a program called Pioneer Boys. And the boys would go out with their dads on these camping trips in the mountains. And I loved to go into the mountains and to sleep out under the stars. And there was one night in particular where the first time I went with my dad, I can remember away from all the city lights, the first time I had ever seen stars in the sky without the light hindering them. You see the picture on the screen and seeing the Milky Way and just going, wow, look at how awesome God is. And look at all the cool stuff. It's so big. I just wish I could see it even closer to see what it looks like. And so it wasn't long after that trip that my dad got me one of those telescopes that you could take. And I remember when I got that thing, I couldn't wait for night to come as I would go out in my backyard and I would use it and I would point it and look at the sky because I wanted to take what was so big and see just how great it was. I remember looking at the moon and looking through the moon at this thing and being able to see the different craters and some of the different features of it. It was one of the most incredible things for me as a young person. And I want you to understand that when we talk about magnify in this way, of taking something that is big and making it appear as big as it really is, this is what David meant when he said, magnify the Lord with me. What David wanted to do in his moment of great joy with testimony of how God had worked in, in his life was he wanted to tell others of what God had done and share just how great he is. And that's what I want us to do this morning as we worship together. I want us to magnify the Lord. I want you to think about this morning, and maybe you can write these down in your notes on that first section. What great things has God done in your life in this past year? How have you seen him move or working in your life? 
Maybe what attributes of God are coming to mind when you think about those things that he has done that you are thankful for? If you're given only a few words to share, how would you magnify his greatness? How would you help other people to see just how great he really is? But at the same time, as you look back over this year, maybe this year has been a hard year for you. You might actually look at me and say, Pastor Rob, it is really hard for me to get into a place of celebration and excitement like David. You know, you might say, this year has been difficult. And I want to say to you, if you find yourself there this morning, I want to challenge you to still continue to think and consider how God has been present with you and what you are thankful for even as you walked through a hard year. And the reason is this, is because David himself was not always in a posture of celebration. I want you to listen to his words here in Psalm 69, verse 1. In Psalm 69, verse 1, David says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Anybody here ever feel that way? That the water just keeps rising? I don't know if I'm going to make it or I'm going to get through this experience. I, sometimes I might question where God, the waters seem to rise. David says, save me, God, for the waters have come up to my neck. And he spends the next 25 verses in Psalm 16, or 69 lamenting his fear, his difficulty, his trials, all of the things that burden his heart, he spends lamenting. But he comes to this place in verse 30 where he says, even though all of this, he says, yet I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. That he will continue to express his thankfulness to the Lord even in the midst of such great trial. Why? Because just a few verses later he says, because the Lord hears the needy. It was a reminder to him that whether in a good or a difficult season, whether celebrating or lamenting, that God was with him and that he could experience and was experiencing the grace of God in both of those moments and he still had much to be thankful for. Today as we sing and we continue to worship, I want us to respond by thinking about what is it that we have to be thankful for as we look past over this past year. And what ways has God been present with you? Why are you thankful for him? How has he shown up? What attribute of God has caused you to be in a state of thankfulness? And as we sing this next song together, a new one of magnifying the Lord, I wanna invite you to come forward from your seats. And you'll see that there are two crosses that are on the floor here down front and a bunch of pins that are sitting on little platforms. And I would love for you to respond during this, to come with your family, your friends, to come by yourself, bring your little ones, and take time with those pins to write on these crosses, on the top, on the sides, all over, what it is that you are most thankful for as we worship Christ together this morning for the ways that he has been present with us. And so as we sing, I'd encourage you to stand and then come and worship in this way of response.
articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry then from north to south and east to west we'd hear Christ be magnified
put that bridge up there for me again, Chris, thank you. Y'all just to think about these words here. When I first listened to this song, this bridge hit me so hard. There's so much richness and depth to these lyrics. Just think about what this means in your own life, what God has done for you, what Christ has done for you. of surrender and I won't bow to idols I'll stand strong and worship you and if it puts me in the fire I'll rejoice cause you're there too oh I won't be formed by feelings I hold facts to what is true Cause if the cross brings transformation And you can't hang me there with you Oh, cause death is just the doorway Into resurrection life If I join you in your sufferings Then I'll join you when you rise And when you return in glory With all the angels and the saints Oh, my heart will still be singing Oh, my song will be the same Sing it all Christ be magnified Just let His praise arise Christ be magnified in me Sing it all Christ be magnified From the altar of our lives Christ be magnified in me an opportunity to write, still do. You may be seated if you're uh, here in the congregation, but if you have an opportunity, I'd encourage you to do so. You know, as we fill up these crosses, it's an opportunity for us to pause and to remember all the ways that we have experienced God's faithfulness and so many different attributes of who he is. I had an opportunity after first service to go up and just to read some of the words that were on these crosses. And man, if you, I know you get up here and you sign them at the close of the service, if you get a chance to read what people have written, it will bless your heart. Because it's a reminder to us, for each of us, no matter what it is that we have been going through, that God has been and continues to work in each of our lives and is so intimately involved with us. But I want you to think about this with me this morning as well, is that 
what is it that holds us back at times from magnifying the Lord? What is it that holds us back from expressing our thankfulness and who he is and what he has done? You know, as we think of Psalm 69 that I just read to you where David says that, you know, the waters are rising up to his neck. Oftentimes, one of the things that holds us back is when we go through difficulty or trial. Because as we go through that trial, maybe it's something like a difficult health diagnosis or a broken relationship with someone or Maybe it's just the state of our world and the things that are going on that are causing the love in our hearts to grow cold, not just for the people around us, but even in our own relationship with God. Sometimes what holds us back is when we seem to be going through a hopeless situation, but there are other things. Sometimes it's sin in our life that we've given our hearts over to that separates us from God and breaks our relationship with him. Sometimes it's when we prioritize the things of this world over developing our intimate relationship with God. Sometimes it's when we don't trust in him and we're trusting in ourselves or in other people, having self-sufficiency. But no matter what it may be that holds us back from thanksgiving or from magnifying the Lord, what each of these things reveals is that what truly holds us back when you boil it all together is that we're held back in magnifying the Lord when we take our eyes off of Jesus, forgetting who he is and what he has done in our lives. And that's one of the reasons why all throughout the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, you'll see such great emphasis being placed on God's people being called to remember what God has done. You remember that the Israelites, the Israelites in the Old Testament were the worst at this because they got to experience God work in some really incredible ways. Like they saw him part the Red Sea as Pharaoh was coming after them and they got to walk through it on dry ground and then it closed down on their enemies. I mean, they got to see some incredible stuff. When they were going through the wilderness and they were hungry, God provided food from the heavens in the form of manna. He provided water for them from a rock. He allowed them to overcome and to take down enemies that were greater and stronger than him because he was constantly going before him. But it seems like they always suffered from a case of short-term memory. It would happen, and then they would forget. And they would go back to grumbling and saying, we just wish we could be back in Egypt enslaved, huh? And they would, they would forget what God had done. And so numerous times throughout the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, we'll see the Israelites being reminded to pause and to have moments where they would remember God's faithfulness and what he had done for them. And one occasion, as they're crossing the Jordan River, getting ready to go into the Promised Land, each of the tribes are told to go and take a large stone and to place it in the middle of the river, and they would create this monument and this mound of stones that was there to be a reminder to them, but also to future generations of how faithful God had been, of the way that he had provided and that they would remember in such a way that it would strengthen their faith in him and of their worship of God so that they could truly magnify him to the world around them. That people would know just how great and awesome Israel's God was. It's the reason we write all of these things on this cross today is because in our lives... We get so busy and wrapped up in so many things that we forget to pause and to remember that God has been present. 
that God has been moving, that he has done great things, that he has been so good and gracious in ways that we don't deserve. And we do this as a memorial to remember that the outflow of our remembering would be what? Worship and magnifying the Lord. As often as we see this in the Old Testament, we also see it in the New Testament. And the greatest example that we were ever given was the Lord's Supper. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, when Jesus the next day was going to go to the cross and to give his life for us, it says that he was in the upper room with his disciples and he instituted the Lord's Supper, what we would traditionally call communion. And we're going to take communion together in just a few moments. If you have elements, you can have those ready. I know some of our ushers are in the back. If you don't have those, they'll just kind of quietly walk up the aisles. You can raise their hand and they'll bring those to you. But Jesus, in this moment in the upper room, wanted his disciples and his followers for all time to never forget what he had done for them. It's the very reason we still take communion today. It's not just a tradition to make God happy or to score us points with him, but it is meant for us to what? Remember, to remember, to remember who Jesus is, to remember all that he has done for us. Before we take communion together, I want us to read the words of Paul and truly remember what it is that Christ has done. You see on the screen here, Romans 5, verses 6 through 11, Paul says, For while we were weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good one, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to think about those words. Paul starts by saying Christ died for the ungodly. In other words, Jesus came and gave his life for people that were in rebellion against God. For us, that when we have turned our back on God and not cared about him, wanted to push him out of our lives, it says that God sent his son into the world to give his life for us. And Paul reasons as he thinks about this, one will, someone will scarcely or hardly ever die for a righteous person, though perhaps maybe they would for a good person. Kids in the room, how many of you, when you're fighting with your sibling and they've done something that's made you upset, how many of you go, I want to die for you, right? No, you might think the opposite, right? I want to hurt you. We laugh as adults, but how often do we find ourselves in the same situation? where we have tension with another person. Not a chance I would die for that person, right? In our minds, what they deserve is retribution, repayment for how they've hurt me. But what does Jesus say? I came, when you turned your back on my father, I came to give my life for you so that you could be reconciled to him. That's a beautiful thing. Christ died for the ungodly because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Paul continues and he says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. What he points out is that because of our sin and rebellion against God is that there was a payment and a penalty that was due to us 
We deserve to die, physical death and spiritual death, being separated forever from God because of our rebellion against him. But what Christ did when he went to the cross is it says that we, as we have placed our faith in him, that we are justified by his blood, a legal term. A legal term that if we try to put it into layman's terms carries the idea that we have been justified. In other words, it is just as if I had never sinned in the eyes of God. When Christ went to the cross, he paid the penalty in full for my sin so that I would what? Be reconciled to God and be saved from God's wrath so that I don't have to spend eternity separated from God, but he invites me into his family. And Paul finishes and continues and says, Herefore, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Through Jesus Christ, and in putting our faith and our trust in him, not only has he paid the penalty for our sins so that in the eyes of God it is though we never rebelled and sinned against him, but we have been reconciled into a perfect relationship with God. That is the gift that we have been given. And we have much to magnify the Lord for. As hard as this life gets, as much as the world around us crumbles, we can know that there is a God that is in control that loves us so much that though we rebelled against him, he won't allow this to be our end if we will trust in him. But he will bring us into his family to reign with him forever. And so, Jesus... On the night that he was betrayed, as he sat in that upper room with his disciples, the night he was betrayed, the passage tells us that he took bread. And it says that as he took the bread, when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you ever pause to think about what Jesus was saying there, what do you, when we come to communion and we take this bread and it says, remember him, what do you remember? What is it you're thinking about? Oftentimes, if you're like me, we're taking time to remember that Jesus allowed himself to be crucified on a cross, to be beaten, to be flogged, to go through the world's most horrific punishment that could ever be possibly imagined for me. And I believe that even though that event had not happened yet, Jesus was instituting this so that his disciples would remember this greatest act of love. But I also believe that there was something else that Jesus was calling his disciples to remember. You see, he had just spent years with them, living life together, doing ministry together, they had experienced the fullness of his love, the fullness of his grace, so many different action, interactions, so many different testimonies of how God had worked in their life. And I believe that when Jesus looks at his friends sitting around this table and he says, do this in remembrance of me, yes, one day after I've died, you will sit and you will reflect on how I gave everything, but you'll also remember the ways before that in which I have been so present with you that I have loved you when the world would not that I have given you grace when the world would not. And I would call you that as we take communion together this morning, that not only do we remember his sacrifice, which is of utmost importance, 
but we remember the ways in which because of the sacrifice that God has been so present in our lives, in the good and the hard, in the moments of celebration and the moments of lament. God has shown up and he has been faithful and it is because his son has reconciled us to him. This is my body, which is for you. Do this, remembering me. Let's take together. Paul continues and he says, in the same way after supper, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant that is in my blood. He has paid it all. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And Paul says, for whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, what you are doing is proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. You want to say that a different way? You are magnifying the Lord. You are making him appear just as great and as magnificent as he truly is. Let's do that together. Father, we, we thank you because in this time of reflection, we are reminded, God, of not just how you've been present over this past year in our lives, but God, as we celebrate communion together, this practice that the church has done for years since the time that you instituted with your disciples in that upper room. God, we are pausing and remembering that before time began, you knew us. You knew that we would sin against you. You knew, God, that our hearts would turn from you, that we would rebel. And yet in your love for us, you provided a way of salvation by sending your son Jesus into this world to die on a cross, paying the penalty that we deserved so that if we would place our faith and trust in you, that when you see us, you don't see our sin, but you see your son's sacrifice. And God, in that, you have shown us the extent and the depth of your love. And as we remember, it causes us to pour out in worship of love for you. And so, Father, receive our worship as we continue to sing.
of us as we approach Thanksgiving have uh, a lot of different family traditions that we love participating in. You know, for some of us, it's just that family comes from all around and gathers together for a favorite meal. Maybe your tradition is making a special uh, dish together. Maybe your traditions are watching football, playing football, doing any number of different things. But for me, one of my favorite traditions has always been that before our meal, we sit down together and uh, we, we talk about the things that we are most thankful for. And this year was uh, a little bit different for us. A lot of times we'll spend our holidays, just us as a family, as our extended families are kind of spread around, uh, around the country. But my cousin was able to drive over and join us, which was super special, uh, from Washington, D.C. And it was great to sit around the table and we light a candle and we just say the things that we are thankful for before we dive into our feast together. But there are a couple things that I noticed this year as we were sharing that just kind of struck me. And the first one is this, is that often when we're talking, we're talking about the things that we're thankful for, that it was coming in the forms of the people that we are thankful for. The things that people had done in our lives, the way that people had been special, the way that God had used them. And we began to share our thankfulness for each other and for special people that God has placed in our life. And Maybe in your notes this morning on that third page, you take a moment, and I would encourage you just to think through, like, who are the people in your life that you are most thankful for? The people that God has placed there that have been ministering to you, maybe jot down a few names that come to mind, because I noticed that a lot of what we were thankful for was people, but here's what I also noticed, the second thing, is that sometimes I'm not very good at telling the people that God has placed in my life that are so special to me how thankful I am for them. Oftentimes, it's very easy to, to receive the blessing that we get from people and the way that God uses them in our, in our lives, but to not really take time to tell them and to remind them of just how much of a blessing they have been to us. But here's the thing. This is one of the things that I actually love about Paul in the Bible is that he is really good in every single one of his letters of remembering the people that God has placed in his life that have been a blessing to him. I want you to think about his words that we read in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Paul has this deep, tight-knit relationship with the church, and he says these words, I thank my God in all of my remembrance of you, Always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You know, Paul, no matter whether he was experiencing really high highs or going through really low lows, he has this continued theme in every single one of his letters that he writes to the churches of thankfulness. Part of his remembering God's faithfulness is remembering the people that God has brought into his life that have been a blessing to him. And he is consistently going back to them and saying, thank you. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Thank you for lifting me up when things are hard. Thank you for partnering with me in the gospel. Thank you for bringing joy into my life. And his thankfulness and his remembering of how God has used people in his life is part of his worship of God and magnifying the Lord in his acknowledgement that God is using so many different people to bring blessing into his own life. 
And this morning as we begin to close and wind down our time of thanksgiving and worship together, I want us to take time to say, who are those people that in this past year God has used in my life to be a blessing? Maybe to help you grow deeper in your faith in him. Maybe they met you in a special way in your time of need or have brought great joy into your life. And have you taken time to not only remember them and to tell them how you are thankful, but also at the same time to remember that they are there because God has brought them into your life to be a blessing to you. You see, when we remember and we express that thankfulness, we continue to magnify the Lord and make him as great as he really is. In your sermon notes, when you came in today, you received a small piece of paper that says thank you on it. And you can fold that into a card. And I would encourage you, whether it's in our service this morning, later today, and this week to come, to choose a person. Or if you want more, I'll give you as many as you want. But take time to write notes of thanks to other people as part of your worship and your magnifying of the Lord, remembering how God has blessed you through those that he has brought into your life. And allow that to continue to grow your faith and your worship and your thankfulness for the Lord. Let's continue to worship him.
Don't you get shy on me, lift up your soul Cause you got a line inside of those lungs Give your breath, praise the Lord Oh, come on my soul Oh, don't you get shy on me, lift up your soul Cause you got a line inside of those lungs God's goodness in our lives. And so uh, would you pray with me as we uh, come to this time of worship? Father, uh, we acknowledge everything that good that we have has come from you. Uh, and Lord, in this time of giving back of our tithes and offerings, we do so. Father, really desiring to magnify you. Acknowledging God that our deepest desire as we give of our uh, resources is that you would take it multiply it and they would use it God in such a way that more people would come to know your son Jesus Christ and so father I pray that even as we give of our offerings uh, financial stuff that allows us to continue to push forward the gospel would you make us equally as passionate about using our voices as well to magnify your name and to share with others the way that you have been moving and working inside of our lives so that they would come to know so God, we come with hearts that give not out of compulsion, but out of love to say thank you and to lift up your name. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, please take those buckets and continue in a spirit of worship for a moment as we pass those and collect our morning offering.
so many, so many great things to be thankful for. Uh, I want to tell you as we close our service this morning that if you need prayer for anything, if there's anything that you would uh, like prayer for, for healing or something you've been working through, you'd like to talk to somebody, our prayer team is up here this morning. I would love that opportunity to, uh, to pray with you at the close of our service. Uh, please feel free to come down here in the front and uh, they would love that opportunity. can lead you over to the prayer room. But church families, we close our service as well. We've spent a lot of time reflecting and remembering today. And I want to encourage you to continue to do the same as you go into this week. To remember that remembering what Christ has done and being thankful is not a couple times a year thing at a holiday or that we do in a special service. But ultimately, it is the way we are to live our lives every single day in a posture of worship and thanksgiving because our God is good and he is good all the time. And as we worship him in that way, the magnification that happens is not just the lifting of our voices and our praise to God, but it allows the world to see our God for who he is. And that is a powerful testimony. So as you go and you serve the Lord this week, magnify him, tell people of how great and how awesome your God is that they would know him and worship him as well. God bless you. Have a great week serving the Lord.